So I didn't ask you guys this question beforehand because at first I was prepared to put one of us on blast. Um, but then I was like, you know, we at least three fourths of us are going to be guilty of what I'm about to ask. So the original question was with um, with Funko coming to C2E2, how much money is not Seth going to spend on Funko Pops? But then I was like, well, there's also me and there's Matt. <laughs> Tabitha, I don't think you're as into Funko. No, they have to be like very, very ultra specific for me to get involved. Yep. Fair enough. So with that in mind, I, I guess the question now is how much extra space are we going to need for C2E2 this year? Um, I think we may have joked about it in the group <laughs> chat, but um, we may want to go ahead and get like, not like a big U-Haul, but like one of those, like the, the, the smallest U-Hauls. I think that'd probably do it. Um, Tabitha, what do you think? I don't know that the small U-Haul is going to do it because you're going to want to leave them in the boxes and then you're going to want to put padding and then you're probably also going to want to pad the boxes on the outside so the boxes don't get dented. So I'm just thinking about the physics of a small U-Haul. I think maybe if one of us rents an actual U-Haul and just follows us behind in the car, we'll be fine. So should we go ahead and just rent it from Chicago? Yes, we okay. don't need to drive it there. We just need to drive it home. Okay. Um, <laughs> not Seth, do you want to weigh in on this? No, because I'm attacked. <laughs> <laughs> but we're all attacked. Matt. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'd like to say that now that my new car has a trailer hitch, that we could just get one of those little trailers. But I don't know. Is that is that realistically enough space? Mm. Yeah. I feel like for the weekend, we should take over under bets on the total amount that all of us spend on pops. Hmm. And whoever's the closest gets a free pop from the group. Like the group has to chip in and buy one like buy that person or buy the person with the least <laughs> amount of pop. So now just kind of thinking about it, I don't know if I've ever bought a pop at any of the comic cons I've gone to. I'm just trying to remember. And I don't, I think I have too little impulse control when it goes online for sale that I just buy it, that I, <laughs> that there's not a pop out there that I go to the con. I'm like, I need that. Cause if I do, it's usually like $300. I'm like, nah, but with Funko coming into the game and C2E2, we might have some exclusives. And I will not be available for recording in the audio during C2E2 if I'm going to be in line for Funko. So, Have you been to a con where Funko was? Mm, that's the problem. <laughs> so I think they've only ever been to San Diego, Emerald Comic Con, yep. and New York Comic Con. Yep. And two of those, New York and Emerald, I think are ran by... Breed pop so it's kind of always been i think in the background of like are they ever going to come to c2e2 because it's you know by the same company it's big enough it's in the midwest where they don't really have a, a you know a big retail presence so i'm glad they're finally here do we think that's going to drive up ticket sales yeah oh 100 like there was already like lots of people in like the funko like groups being like i'm going i'm going here's my ticket purchase so i feel like they've probably are Way closer to being sell, like sold out than they have probably any previous year. Okay. <laughs> we are going to continue this conversation after the intro.
You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, and Lydia. Because I really wanted to have this conversation, <laughs> and you guys kept talking, so I was like, oh, crap. It's going to be like 10 minutes before you hear, you're listening to The Geek Awakens. <laughs> be like one of those episodes where you get to the very end, and that's where the credits are for the beginning of the episode. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, um, but yeah, you brought up a good point. Like I was trying to think back, and granted, I haven't been to every C2E2, but I was like, has read or has uh funko been to c2e2 before um this is this is exciting this is a big get um going back to tabitha your idea about the uh the over under now is that going to include pops purchased only at the funko pop part or any pops in general i think it should be any pops in general because with funko being there there's going to be i think like we always see like a lot of like funko collectors there to sell i feel like with funko being there those collectors are going to bring more yeah i love their a game yeah like yeah yeah so matt's gonna run into something random that he hasn't seen in 10 years not at the funko thing because yeah joe schmo's comic book store brought their Funko Pops and then that's how we end up with a trailer full of Pops <laughs> I really I mean this is such a like giant wish so like I'm not really expecting it but like I know at their like flagship stores and there was one at the uh, FAO Schwartz in New York but I don't think that one will, it, it's basically it's like a build your own pop mm. But I don't think the one that we went to in New York was quite as detailed um, as as the one in the flagship store. So I don't know. I, I kind of hope that there is some way to have customizable pops because, like, even though yeah, you can do it online now, um, which I still want to do that. I haven't done it yet. Uh, but like, there's there's something different about doing it in person and getting to take your little pop self home. Yeah, I don't I think that may be an option. Like I feel like they might have kiosks where you could do that there and pay for it and then order it, but I don't know that it's going to be a here take this home today during the con kind of situation. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I wonder I wonder what kind of exclusives they'll have. I, that's the big question. So if I had to guess, when they I feel like Maybe one of their first appearances at New York Comic Con, they did like a pizza rat as one mm-hmm. of theirs. I think we're going to see like one of their, because they do like those Kool Aid packets that look humanoid. I think we're going to probably see a deep dish pizza. Or like, a hot dog. Or a hot dog. Or the bean. Or, or the bean. bean yes. mm. I was going to say the bean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of really, oh, a Malort bottle. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> lots of good options for Chicago. Um, speaking of Chicago, speaking of, well, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> so this is also completely not. I wasn't planning to talk about this, but I'm going to. Um, so 
you guys know how Cards Against Humanity always does something weird for Black Friday, right? Mm-hmm. So this past year, uh, they did, or I guess this this year, even though Black Friday has passed, but whatever, it's fine. Um, they did. They created their own social network. It was called Yowza, and <laughs> the idea was if you got, um, if you got people like if you referred people to the website then you could potentially win some stuff um i was one of the first i don't remember was it ten thousand? i think it was about ten thousand uh people to get a referral so i won four dollars and twenty cents <laughs> that was cool um but the cool thing is so um the people who made Cards Against Humanity, they recently put out a new game. Um, it's called Head Trip. So I don't really remember exactly how you play the game because um, I didn't do my research on this because, like I said, I wasn't planning on talking about it. But here we are. <laughs> anyway, so whoever with, with this Yowza thing, whoever got the most referrals in the day, they won $69,420 dollars. Classy. Um, but then, like, so many people after that got a free copy of uh, Head Trip. Uh, Head Trip. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. I was one of those people. Hey. So we will have a new game to play at C2E2. That's so fun. Yeah. Excellent. So anyway, um, that said, we're going to kind of move on. Any any final parting Funko, Funko thoughts? I don't like that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Better than a Funko thought? No. I, I th- <laughs> <laughs> That's tonight's episode. <laughs> Not Seth just closes the computer. Walks away. <laughs> We're done. It's over. Throws away all my recording equipment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just think that regardless of what other, what, what celebrities show up, for C2E2 this year, I think, and yes, I like my Funko Pops, but I think this might be one of the biggest gets for C2E2 basically ever. Um, Just like not Seth said, you know, they do Emerald City, they do San Diego, they do New York. I don't know that they've ever done C2E2, which has never made any sense to me. And I know this is the 15th anniversary, but like that's it's big. It makes me nervous for the crowds. Oh, yeah. And the lines. So that's something I've been thinking about is like, it's usually already pretty tight on the con floor. Like maybe the first bit's pretty well spaced out, but then, you know, the back half is all like the signing and photograph Mm -hmm. photograph area. And then it's like the artist alley, which is usually very tight. Funko needs usually a pretty big space because they come up with like a full like scene setting for their Mm -hmm. for the displays. So I'm kind of curious, is it going to be in that same area? Or are they going to have it somewhere else to kind of help with line control? Because I don't know. I th- I think at all the other cons they've implemented in a lottery system now. So yep. it's no longer just wait in line. So it's hopefully going to be better, but it can get out of hand pretty quickly, I bet. Yeah, I think it's been like the lottery system has been a matter of like you get a ticket to be in line for this time period. And then you get in, you get to pick your con exclusives, pay for them out and then the next group goes in same thing oh okay 
I, I was worried when you said lottery, so it was like I was worried. It was like, okay, cool. So you're gonna sign up and maybe not even get a chance to. No, you sign up and then it's a matter of like which grouping I think you get in um, to go into the booth. Which is kind of like what C two E two has done the last few years in regards to like photo ops. So I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so for some of the big ones. Yeah, and I know that Funko at least they like usually their exclusives are sometimes like limited, which is they don't tell you how many they've made, and other ones that are like three thousand, mm-hmm. and like they'll have a certain allotment for each day on how many they're going to give away. So you could get an early time slot and get yours, but you can have like maybe an hour later and it's gone. Um, so yeah, depends on how limited stuff is. I'm interested to see how they organize the con floor this year because we are also aren't going to run into that issue mm-hmm. with the timing for like other cons like MegaCon this year. So we're going to have yeah, nothing else is the same weekend. Correct. We I double checked that, but we're going <laughs> to end up with like we're going to be back to our normal amount of vendors too. Oh, that'd be nice and potentially like no conflict with guests. celebrities. Yeah, yeah, guests. Yeah, because I mean, don't get me wrong. Like the past few years have been they've been fine, but like. It, it always kind of felt like they've been, I don't want to say lacking. Well, I mean, let's be real. Last year, there was definitely, year, yes. with the conflict with Megacon, there was definitely some that C2E2 may have gotten if they hadn't been the same weekend, but they were at Megacon instead. Mm-hmm. Which, that's a whole thing that I don't even want to get into, so is what it is. Um, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, something else I wanted to talk about because we all finished it. The new Netflix series, uh, Scott Pilgrim takes off. Um, I know we kind of talked about it the other day and we didn't talk that much about it because we hadn't finished it yet. But, uh, what'd you guys think? I loved this one so much. This was fantastic. Um, I will spoilers also spoilers. If you have not seen Scott Pilgrim takes off yet, uh, we're not going to go into a deep dive because we have way more other stuff to talk about. But, um, but yeah, I'm sure it will get spoilery. Um, so I have only seen the movie, I think twice. Um, I have never read the graphic novel. Um, so it did take me, I don't know, part of the way through the second or maybe the third episode to really realize I'm like, wait a minute. They flipped this story on its head. I uh, it's too until the third episode. Realize that I no, told you, you did. That. That's true. Yeah, I didn't. I it it had been a, it'd been so long since I'd seen it, and I'm like, wait a minute, is this? And you had told me, yeah, that this is like a alternate story kind of situation, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, now it makes sense why I'm slightly confused on what's going on. They killed off Scott at the end of the first episode. And you didn't, that didn't pick it up then? Yeah, I, I was like, this doesn't seem right, but it didn't, like... Seem wrong enough to bring it up? Yeah, I <laughs> I don't know. I'm slow sometimes. It was also fairly late every time we decided to watch this. I okay. mean, we watched the first, what, five episodes between 9 and 11.30 p.m.? <laughs> Which <laughs> so, is late when you're elderly. <laughs> But yeah, the end of that first episode when Matthew Patel, which I guess is kind of my boy um, after last year's C2E2. But, um, like that. oh, well, yeah, I mean, the longtime listeners of the show probably remember that I cosplayed as Matthew Patel. But, you know, whatever, Um But yeah, uh, 
when the end of the first episode, Matthew Patel, when he was supposed to die and turn to coins, we find out it was Scott Pilgrim. And I'm like, but but, uh, this is his show. Like I like jaw was on floor. Like I was I was shocked, (laughs) Um, which this was something that. So the creators, uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, who created Scott Scott Pilgrim. (laughs) Spot Scrollgrim. Yeah, that. (laughs) Um, and then also Ben David Grabinski, um, they talked to IGN and they kind of talked about this. And um, O'Malley was basically he was saying how he was kind of felt creatively stifled because of the books and because of the movie. You know, he he kind of felt like he was in a corner. But then Grabinski uh, just suggested Scott dying at the end of the first episode and then like a bunch of the other like ideas that kind of seemingly come out of left field that that we saw in this series um but yeah so grabinski also said that uh that he didn't want to have a story where you felt like you could start to do laundry while watching it which totally makes sense because mm-hmm. while i would have been completely happy seeing just like an anime version of the graphic novels and the movie that we've already seen He's absolutely right. Like, that would have totally been like, a, oh, well, I can maybe do other things. Like, no, no, no. I had to figure out what was going on. <laughs> but, Tabitha, what were your thoughts? I really liked this. Um, my only beef was, like, the last two episodes. Like, we all know I hate a time travel vibe. But, like, the last two episodes kind of convoluted themselves a little bit for me. Again, it might have been because it was late. I don't know. But, um... I kind of, I felt myself getting bored toward the very end. And then, like, the last episode where it wrapped up, it was fine. But that, like, set, that like penultimate episode was, like, I could have basically done without it. Like, Mega Scott or whatever. Like, it was just, I don't know. I felt like it went a little off the rails at the end. Like, I was having the best time. And then the end just kind <laughs> of, like, for me. Yeah. No, I... I get where you're coming from, and I can understand why you wouldn't like that. However, it, it didn't bother me at all. No, I mean, and I don't think it was bad writing. I think some of that was just my own like dislike of those kind of plot lines. But all that said, there's you know, like there was. I'm pretty sure it was a post credit scene that seemingly set up for a season two, but there's not necessarily going to be a season two. Um, O'Malley and Grabinski said that they kind of like they did everything that they wanted to do. Uh, there are no current plans for a second season, but that said, it's kind of like a never say never type of situation. The way that this wrapped up, I would not be mad or upset in any way, shape or form. If we did not get a season two, this was, this was one of those stories that is like, it could continue, but it's also very self-contained. Um, you know, the characters have their arc. They come full circle. Um, it doesn't have to happen. And I would hope at this point that unless they get new and wacky and weird, um, you know, that we don't get a, a plot line just to have a second season, you know? Yeah. I agree in that. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think that, I will be, you know, upset or unfulfilled or whatever if I don't get a second season of this. Um, however, 
like that little blip that we got, which it was Gideon and I can't remember the character's name, but it's Aubrey Plaza's character in the in the uh, in the show. Julie. Julie, thank you. Um, but basically, they are plotting something, mm. and I want to see what that something is. <laughs> I want to see, you know, like we we saw Gideon go full evil both in the comic book and in the movie less so in um you know in this anime adaptation i'm um, still a little bit but not not to any extent but like i want to see him full evil julie full evil which like of course like with aubrey plaza like of course her character is going to be like conniving or, or what have you but uh but yeah i'm i'm here for that and whether it's some story involving the evil exes or just sex babam in general or or whatever, like I would welcome that with open arms. So, <laughs> um, let's go ahead and open up the pull list. What's on our pull list this week? Only like twenty one twenty one minutes later, it's fine. It's fine. So I've got three books to talk about this week. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Um, the first one is Barbaric, Wrong Kind of Righteous. It's out now from Vault, written by Nicholas Eames and Michael Morecki with art by Nathan Gooden. So in this one shot, Owen, Axe, and Soren team up with Sir Boris of the Righteous Paladin and Boris's uh, weapon, Flail, on his path to rid Typhon of its impurities, uh, but is there more than meets the eye? Um, this is everything that you come to expect from Barbaric, uh, from Owen, from Axe. Um, Flail, I'm not going to spoil too much, but Flail is basically the opposite of Axe in just about every way. And it's so fantastic. It's so hilarious. Um, this is a one shot. It was, it was fun. It was adventurous. Uh, it just, yeah, I, I loved this kind of story where, yeah, like you're, it's self-contained. Um, you don't have to have a whole lot of information on the barbaric universe to, to really appreciate this, but I mean, surely it helps. Um, all you really need to know is that X loves getting drunk off of blood and it's fantastic. Um, next up is D. Snyder. He's not going to take it. It's out December 5th from Z2, written by D. Snyder and Frank uh, Marafino with art by Steve Kurth. So this is a graphic memoir. It tells the story of D. Snyder's childhood and how he got to be the frontman of heavy metal band Twisted Sister, leading up to Snyder participating in a uh, 1985 congressional hearing regarding the Parents Music Resource Center's plan to place ratings on albums and making Twisted Sister and other artists villains in the process. This, like, I was too young to, like, witness the uh, these hearings or whatever when they happened. I was, like, a couple months old. <laughs> so, um, so this was interesting to see his take on, on the situation. And those those hearings, I mean, they don't... While they're the basis of the book, they don't 
take up the majority of the time of the book. It was a really interesting look back on his childhood and how he, you know, kind of got to be the, I guess, w- would you maybe consider Twisted Sister glam rock kind of? Yes, okay. glam rock hair metal. Okay. Um, but yeah, so like... <laughs> So, you know, how, how he got to be to that point. Um, this was an interesting book. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, there were there were quite a few, like, fourth wall breaks. Um, as far as the art goes, there's, especially with his childhood, I will say, there were a couple of times where, like, D. Snyder at this point was supposed to be, I don't know, like, five or six, but he looked like 13 or 14, and I was very confused. <laughs> Um, that said, there is, again, without, you know, without spoiling too much, but I mean, this is kind of based on true stories, so you can Wikipedia and and be spoiled. (laughs) But anyway, um, there is this one part where, you know, Dee's talking about, um, you know, protecting the First Amendment and, you know, protecting, you know, like, kind of like being patriotic, but like specifically for rockers and all this kind of stuff. And there is this design for the American flag, but it's kind of like rocked out or whatever. And it is so badass. (laughs) Um, If you if you don't, you know, read this book, if you see it at like a a bookstore or whatever, pick it up, flip through it and and go to that page. It's so freaking cool. Um, The last book is Try Again, Volume One. It's out now from Tokyo Pop, written by Marcus Quabena Johnson and John Lawrence with art by Wynn Dolores. So Daniel Burroughs is a member of the uh, Cassiator Guild with, and is also uh, one of Underworld's best hit people. She's assigned to kill her care. To, she's assigned to kill her caretaker Emilio Franceca, but accidentally kills his daughter Lilio in the process. She realizes she wants nothing more to do with this life, uh, but what she does next has unexpected consequences. <sighs> this was tough for me to read. Um, I'm not usually the type of person, I know this is going to make me sound weird, I'm not usually the type of person who gets upset at kids dying and being murdered um, in movies. Like, I'm upset with them being murdered in real life. That is tragic. But, like, <laughs> in movies... <laughs> It doesn't really affect me too much, but it affected me with this one. I was like, this girl is so sweet and does not deserve to die, yet here we are. Um, But, so, like, that kind of kept taking me out of it. Uh, But that said, so, like, there are basically two stories going on here. Um, Danielle, basically... Um, I, I wasn't going to spoil this, but like, I, I kind of have to a little bit, uh, basically after she does this, Danielle kills herself and ends up not in heaven, not in hell, but working for, I, I'm assuming the devil, um, and is now tasked. She's still a hit person, but now is tasked to like be a hit person for the, for, for the devil, um, which is an interesting concept. And then you have Emilio's wife, who is now wanting to get revenge on, you know, for her husband and for her daughter. Also an interesting story. However, like, I I felt like the pacing on this first volume was a little off because there were times when, like, 
we were getting more with Danielle and I was like super invested in this. And then we cut to Emilio's wife and I'm like, but, but I, w- I wasn't done here. <laughs> and then we go back to Danielle and I'm like, but, but I, I wasn't done with Emilio's wife. Like, <laughs> wait. Um, but again, this is volume one. It sets up a lot of stuff. Um, I'm excited to see volume two. So let's go ahead and go into gut reaction. Ow! Gut reaction. And I'm going to start with uh, a little bit of more casting news for Superman Legacy. Uh, Skylar Gisondo has been cast as Daily Planet photographer Jimmy Olsen. Um, Skylar is probably best known from the Righteous Gemstones. Uh, additionally, Lex Luthor's assistant, Eve Teskmacher, uh, will be played by Sarah Sa- uh, Sampao, uh, a Portuguese mi- model who has worked with Victoria's Secret. Uh, I'm giving this a thumbs up. Um, I have not, I haven't seen, um, I haven't seen Sarah. I don't know what she looks like, but if you're a former slash current Victoria's Secret model, um, yeah, you can probably play Lex Luthor's assistant very well. (laughs) Uh, And I'm I'm not saying that that's a knock on models or anything. I'm just saying like, of course, Lex Luthor's assistant would be model quality. Um, I have seen pictures of, Skyler and he does look like he will fit the doofiness that is uh Jimmy Olsen very well. Um again, I and I mean that with the utmost respect because Jimmy Olsen's one of my favorite characters in the Superman family. Um I'm giving this a giant thumbs up. Tap it up. Every time they talk about casting someone as Jimmy Olsen, I'm worried they're gonna make him hot. And it's gonna be weird because Jimmy Olsen's <laughs> not hot. Like that's just Jimmy Olsen is weird and doofy and unattractive and women are like jimmy olsen the only good thing about him is frank clark kent like if you make jimmy olsen attractive it's just not canon so thumbs up for this casting (laughs) which i feel like and i I only watched the first season of it but like supergirl that jimmy olsen i think they were trying to go that route yeah everyone in supergirl was hot it didn't matter what they were doing (laughs) they were all hot (laughs) It was like prerequisite to be in that iteration of Superman. They all had to be like a 10 out of 10 on the hot scale. Or they couldn't even, they weren't even going to look at him. You made it sound like all Jimmy Olsons are supposed to be ugly. And this one is not ugly from apparently Superman, Superman 2, Superman 3, Supergirl, Superman <laughs> IV, The Quest for Peace, Mark McClure. And then like, I don't know, even the cartoon one can get it. I don't care. <laughs> always good to figure out that you have a type (laughs) matt (laughs) i wasn't suggesting that matt is (laughs) matt pass or smash (laughs) (laughs) can't cast me as jimmy olsen um i honestly don't know who either of the actors are but i feel like everything they've done casting wise so far at this point um is a pretty solid choice so it should round out the series well so thumbs up tabitha let's go to the lynn manuel miranda news desk coming to you live from in the heights the lynn manuel miranda news desk So the Lin-Manuel Miranda news desk is also the Percy Jackson news desk because 
The Percy Jackson trailer has recently been released uh, for the Disney Plus series that is coming out in... December? December? Or is it January? I, I think, think it's December. It's, yeah, I feel like the yeah. trailer said December. So, every time I see something about this, I get more excited. Because while I really enjoyed the Percy and Percy Jackson... While I really enjoyed the Percy Jackson... <laughs> Having volume control issues, apparently. Am I okay now? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really enjoyed the Percy Jackson novels. The Percy Jackson films were subpar at best. This actually kind of looks like it's getting it right. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda does make his cameo uh, in the Lotus Hotel and Casino. So I'm very excited to see what his character is going to do because Lin-Manuel Miranda. But... Thumbs up to this whole thing. Like, I'm not, like, I was a little worried, but based on this trailer, like, my worries have been, like, kind of wiped. Matt. Um, so, I've never seen the movie. I had never read any of the books. Um, but my 12-year-old read the first one for Book Report for the first quarter of school. I decided I was going to read it with him. I ended up finishing it after him, but that's beside the point. Um, either way, I've just finished this book. This trailer looks like it follows the book pretty closely and that makes me glad because there are some wonderful moments um in the book that are like that they have light bulb moments where you're watching it and you're like oh my god that's that person or like that's that myth like those names and the characters like come into play in like slightly unexpected ways in a lot of parts of that book um and it just looks like they've done the story justice just from the trailer. Um, and this is again, one of those trail. This is one of those stories where I feel like it's better suited to a series of say eight episodes where you can delve into some of these characters, um, which also the casting looks fantastic. I love how absolutely diverse this cast is. It's going to be great. Um, I don't know. This, this looks great. Thumbs up. I'm ready for this. I'm giving it a thumbs up. I haven't read the books. Um, I know I've at least seen part of the original movie. Uh, I can't remember if we finished it or not. It was definitely one of those movies where it was kind of like on in the background and doing some laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if I remember correctly, I was watching with some other people and the other people felt the need to like talk and do other things and whatever. And I, I can't remember cause it's been so long. I can't remember if that's saying something about the movie or saying something about my friends <laughs> <laughs> either way. Um, all that said, I don't have a connection to Percy Jackson really at all. Um, this trailer looks really well done. It looks like it could be a really good story. Um, I don't know if it's something that I'm going to get around to, especially with all the other thousands upon thousands of hours that Disney Plus has demanded that I watch. Um, but still, I'm I'm here for it. Matt, let's talk about the people under the stairs. <laughs> so there are currently no people under my stairs. It's fine. That's good to know. Um, so Jordan Peele and his. Uh, delve into the horror genre of movies is going to continue um the next one that he's going to be taking on is not an original but is a remake of Wes Craven's 1991 The People Under the Stairs um the screenplay the screenplay uh is going to be penned by Ezra Clayton Daniels 
um, who wrote for Doom Patrol and also a show okay. called Night Sky. Um, so between that pairing and Jordan Peele, um, everyone's kind of expecting this to take a fun new kind of look at that classic film. Um, do it justice, but also, you know, again, make kind of give it a, a fresh twist. Um, at this point, there's no casting or any kind of release date yet. Um, it's kind of like a like Jordan Peele saying, this is the project I'm taking on next. Um, I'm going to openly admit that I haven't seen any of the other Jordan Peele films, but I know how well received they are. So I'm going to go tentatively thumbs up um, that this is in good hands. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thumbs up. Same boat. I I haven't seen any of the Jordan Peele movies. Not for a lack of want. I've wanted to see, I'm pretty sure, all of them that he's done. Um, but it's just me. Um, I have seen the original People Under the Stairs. Uh, it's been a very long time. I don't remember that much about it, except that there are, in fact, People, people under, under the Stairs. <laughs> <laughs> that said, um, from the little that I know about Jordan Peele's work, I feel like this adaptation is right up his alley uh I'm, I'm here for it and i'm excited to see what he does with it tabitha the only jordan peele movie that i haven't seen yet is nope um and it has been so long since i have seen the people under the stairs that there's like this scene from a movie that i always think is that movie that like sticks in my head but it's not that movie so when i watch it i'm like where's that scene it's coming because it scares me and then i remember it's not that movie so <laughs> i'm going to be watching the jordan peele remake waiting for that creepy scene and being like it's not in that movie, movie. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all i'm worried about right now so thumbs up <laughs> fair enough um also it wasn't until like just before you guys got here when i was like finalizing all my notes and everything um when you first posted about this I saw people under the stairs, but I thought flowers in the attic, <laughs> which very is different yeah. <laughs> very, different very different movie. Um, I still, you know what? I'm still, I'm going to give that a thumbs up as well. <laughs> Do it. Jordan Peele. I dare you. <laughs> so uh, Chip Zdarsky teased on a recent Substack that a 10th anniversary project for sex criminals is in the works. If you don't know what Sex Criminals is, it's a comic series that he created with Matt Fraction, um, and it follows Susie and John, two people who have the ability to stop time when they're having sex. Of course, they use their abilities to rob banks. Uh, so on his Substack, Zdarsky says, uh, speaking of coming first, I got to draw these guys again for a special 10th anniversary project. Details coming soon. Tease. I know. Um, Matt, I think you were just looking over at my comics. Uh, I've actually got like the first few editions of sex, uh, sex criminals. I'm giving this a huge thumbs up. I have not finished sex criminals. Um, in fact, I think I've maybe only read the first volume. Um, but Chip Zdarsky, Chip Zdarsky, Matt Fraction are like two of my comic heroes. Um, <laughs> and it is a travesty that I haven't finished, haven't finished this season or this series, um, but this news makes me want to finish the books that I have and get the rest, um, maybe at C2E2 when I'm not buying pops. Uh, but still, I am totally here for this. Thumbs up. Tabitha. Uh, I have no horse in the race. I've never even heard of this, but thumbs up for you because you're excited. Thanks. Matt. You're welcome. Uh, 
Um, I, I know the, the pedigree that Chip Zdarsky and Matt Fraction bring to comics. This series has kind of been on the outskirts of my radar for a while. Um, the idea behind it is intriguing. Um, so maybe this will be one of those things that spurs me to actually, um, you know, read these, but I don't know stuff like this. Uh, if they can get the two creators back together, I think it would be a fun thing to do. So thumbs up. Tabitha, does heartbreak feel good in a place like this? Um, it feels good in a backpack like this. So <laughs> as if we can't get rid of the Nicole Kidman AMC theater ad enough. It's I'm so over it. Uh, Loungefly Backpacks has decided to make a backpack based on her. I'm using their words, not mine. Iconic outfit. Um, from the commercial, her lapels, it is an A and belt. Um, it is slightly less shiny than her original, uh, costume for that, uh, that ad, but this will be coming out on December 4th. Um, you active, you, so there's, it's only available to qualifying AMC, AMC Stubbs premiere and A-list members. And it's going to be sold on the AMC website. So if you're feeling froggy at 11 a.m. on Eastern Standard Time on December 4th, you can log in and get yourself on the list for one of these striped backpacks. Um, To qualify, the members must already have an active enrollment that existed before midnight on November 26th. Have to enter your AMC Stubbs count number. I can't find anything that says how many of these are being made. I am just waiting for them to all pop up on like resale websites in like five seconds after this happens. But they're also not cute and they kind of have Jack Skellington vibes. And I, I, I understand collector's items, but I don't really understand the draw of these. So I'm going to go thumbs down. Matt. The only reason that outfit is iconic is because they won't update that stupid commercial. It does. It looks like Jack Skellington and uh, Edward Scissorhands kind Mm of vibes. Um, I don't know. These are going to pop up probably at C2E2 in Mm. all those booths where people are going to sell them for three or $500 a piece. Um, this is a thumbs down. This is a no for me. I, this is not something we, we need. (laughs) I'm giving it a thumbs up. I, (laughs) (laughs) I have a love hate relationship with this ad. Um, I, I thought it was really cool when they first brought it in. Then I was kind of over it. And now I'm kind of like. I guess waning, so waxing. Waxing means up. Okay, so I'm I'm waxing on it again. <laughs> Don't like that. You're waxing Nicole Kidman. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like this at all. <laughs> um, but my my complaint, and I've said it on the show before, like with this ad, like if they would just even update the movies that she's watching, she probably knows Jurassic World line by line by now. <laughs> um, but I think this is a really cool 
um, uh, token, I guess. I don't know. Um, it's cool. If, if they had like, cause not, not to sound like sexist and genderist or whatever, but like those backpacks, I envision more, more for females, more for women. Um, so like if they had like a men's style, I might've been more inclined to, you know, sign up for the A-list or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. This is still cool. Thumbs up. So earlier this week on Instagram, uh, Amy Jo Johnson introduced us to Olivia Hart, uh, the new Green Ranger for Power Rangers The Return. Uh, while there isn't any more information on the character, there is speculation that Olivia may be the daughter of Tommy and Kimberly. Um, I'm giving this a thumbs up. I'm just being very generous this week. It's fine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, while I may be more giving a thumbs down to the speculation that Olivia is the daughter of Tommy and Kimberly, uh, if you remember correctly, um, Tommy's last name is Oliver. So potentially Kimberly would have, she would have risked naming the daughter Olivia Oliver. That's a terrible name. <laughs> so my speculation is more so maybe at some point in time in this alternate universe, we have lost this Tommy. And since then, Kimberly had a child and named her Olivia in honor of Tommy. That's kind of where I'm thinking this is going. But still, this is kind of cool to have like a... Uh, I was <laughs> I was trying to say either daughter, child, kin, offspring. I was trying to say any one of those four words. And so my brain was like, you're going to say nothing and like it, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> the Matrix just glitched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I, I am loving the idea of having a child of a Power Ranger take up the Power Rangers mantle, much like what happened in, uh, Once and Always, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm here for this. I'm excited to see where this goes. Thumbs up. Tabitha. I'm stuck on Olivia Oliver. That's terrible. (laughs) It's a good thing her name is Olivia Hart. I know, but like, what if it had been Olivia Oliver? Like the blah blah blah. blah. Like I can't. Even say, no, I don't like that. Um, you're happy. I don't care. Thumbs up, <laughs> <laughs> Matt. It's an intriguing idea. Um, as much as I like the idea of this like mini series, um, this is kind of a weird twist for me. So I almost have to see where it ends up before I'm really here for it so i'm gonna go thumb sideways so it's an olivia twist it's right there (laughs) tabitha let's talk about skyfall i mean skytree um uh, so we're getting a new competitor for scholastic book fairs um because of the rise in censorship of book banning Christian publisher Brave Books has decided to essentially create their own book fair. (sighs) Um, Brave Books has on their website that they do offer book fairs and they will be 
promoting God-centric and uh, Christian-focused books for schools. Um, they offered book fairs um, a while back, but then the book fa- the new book fairs are start say they're starting in 2024. Back in 2023, they had made a comment about it as well. Um, it's just. It's just very interesting that, like, they've decided to take this path now because their book fairs have always been online, but now they're leaning toward more in-person book fairs. Um, Kirk Cameron's website. I know I said I was not going to talk about Kirk Cameron ever, but Kirk Cameron's uh, website is now also promoting the Skytree book fairs. So I looked it up because I am me, and they're... Instead of being pro themselves, it's mostly just anti-scholastic. So it says, as you pull up the website, it says the dangerous truth behind scholastic and how you can fight back. And then there's like a comment from Melissa that says she or there's a there's a bunch of comments or whatever. But then um, the problem, it's like quotes from specific books. And this is a, it says that this book, I don't know what this book is, is aged from three to seven. And the quote is, she immersed her body in the warm water and tried not to think about what was between her legs. But there it was bobbing in front of her. I believe that's from Melissa, which is the version of George. Oh. For kids. I can't remember the name of that author. Anyway, instead of it being, like I said, pro books and pro their idea of like censorship it's mostly just anti-scholastic why scholastic is not the book fair company we remember as kids and it's got a bunch of like banned books that they sell and things of that nature i'm all for freedom of speech and i'm all for people having different beliefs and ideas but if your whole shtick yeah like your whole platform is just saying how terrible the other one was instead of building yourself up like that's poor marketing on your part and that's like hate mongering to me like that's not advertising for yourself like if you want to come out and create your own school book fair program cool but make it about your school book fair program not about bashing the other school book fair program matt yeah i don't really have anything to add other than like, that's not the way to go about this, period, the end. Like, tell us what's good about your product. Don't tell us what's bad about everybody else's. That's that's poor marketing. Mm-hmm. It's a poor idea. Um, if you really want to go down that road, it's not Christian values mm-hmm. that they are supposedly trying to promote. So thumbs down. Yeah, yeah I'll give this a thumb sideways. Um Mostly because, like, yeah, on the one hand, cool, you're wanting to be an alternative to Scholastic. Okay, fine, whatever. Do your, do your thing. Um, but, yeah, like, I and on the one hand, like, there is always, like, with, with advertising, there always will be, like, oh, well, we're better than these people and here's why. Um, just based off of what you said, though, Tabitha, with, with their website, it doesn't sound like it's just, oh, hey, this is why we're better than Scholastic. No, they are for all intents and purposes saying like, Hey, here's why Scholastic's the devil, um, <laughs> which is taking it a bit too far. Um, so yeah, I just, yeah, that just kind of left a weird taste in my mouth. So, um, Matt, let's go above the below. Uh, so our 
favorite rumored uh, new Bond, not really happening, but um, anyway, Idris Elba um, is going to be starring and directing in a new survival thriller uh, from Lionsgate called Above the Below. Uh, Lionsgate picked up the rights to the project. Um, it already started filming. Um, let's see. It is oh, where the um, above the below sees a tight knit trio of astronauts survive a chaotic and destructive reentry to Earth, only to find themselves off course and quickly co- completely cut off from the world as their capsule begins to sink into the unknown depths of the ocean. Their battle battle for survival kicks off. Um, Elba is playing Jackson, who is the mission commander. Um, I, this sounds tense and frightening and, um, I don't know. I'm pretty much up for anything that Idris Elba is going to star in and or direct. So, um, I'm going to go thumbs up on this. I feel like if I give anything that Idris Elba does anything below a thumbs up, Tabitha might have my head. So thumbs up, Tabitha. (laughs) You're not wrong. Thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking on Michael Rosenbaum's Inside of You podcast, Orville actor Adrian Palicki gave an update of the series, sort of. Uh, When Rosenbaum brought up the show, Palicki said, quote, "Uh, no, no longer doing that. Uh, Then she went on to say, I don't know why or I don't know truly the answer to that. I think there's talk that it possibly could be something that certain people want to do, but it's really different, difficult show to shoot, um, citing um, uh, citing expenses and also being locked into a show that only produced 33 episodes in six years. Uh, that said, she said that she loved her time on the show, saying that the cast and crew were like family. Um, uh, I'm giving this a thumb sideways. I completely understand where Adrian's coming from. As a fan of the show, it's been frustrating. Um, I haven't seen the third season yet, um, but I think part of it is because there was such a long gap between seasons two and three. It's kind of been on my back burner. So I get where she's coming from. Um, on the one hand, like if they announce a season four without her, will I get around to watching it? Yeah, probably, because I do really like that show. But her character is so central to that show. It would, it would be like Riker being, being written off the of TNG. Like it just, it wouldn't be the same show. Um, so it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, if they go on or if they don't, I'm still going to be kind of sad, but I get where she's coming from. Tabitha. Yeah. I'm in the same boat as you. Like I watched season one and two and then there was that huge gap and I just never got around to watching season three, but I absolutely adored the show and I'm, I'm 100% with you. It, it would be the equivalent of Riker being written off TNG. Like, I don't know how the show would continue without her character. So I'm also going to give it a thumb sideways. Matt. I sadly have never watched any of this show. It was just one of those that I never got to. Um, so I don't know who the character is. I don't know how she relates to the show. Um, so I'm going to go thumb sideways. Uh, Tabitha, let's talk about Goodreads. So over the last, I don't know, five or six years, Goodreads has ran into this issue of review bombing where a book isn't even out yet and people, because they're pissed at the author or they're pissed at the book or they've got beef with the publishing house, are dropping like one-star reviews without even reading the book. So Goodreads has been 
basically being like harangued for years about like fixing this issue where people are allowed to not even because with Goodreads, like you essentially have to go in and mark the book as you're reading it and then go in and leave your review. Um, But you can bypass that and just review a book without ever setting it as read or like reading on your Goodreads profile. So they made an announcement basically saying that they implemented a function earlier in the year trying to circumvent the review bombing. Um, It's done without, to do this, Goodreads said that they were going to limit the ratings being submitted for books during times when activity for that book is unusually high. So in order, like, instead of finding a way to work around it, they're essentially going to, if, you know, I don't know, who's a, who's a, problematic author they're all problematic right now um colleen hoover with her stupid self releases a book and uh it all of a sudden is getting like review after review after review that's one they're just going to slow it down instead of like being able to like whatever um their statement said goodreads has an obligation to defend the freedom to read and practice Mm, pardon me, and prevent practices on its platform that detract from reasoned literary discourse and pave the way for books to be disappeared before their authors and ideas even get a hearing. Um, there's a lot of non-for-profit book organizations, libraries, publishing houses, and like book reviewers that are lauding them for this. Uh, there's also people that are mad because they want to be, you know, trolling on the internet. Um, I don't take goodreads reviews seriously um i do find it frustrating that when a book is not even out like a book has just been released like the cover has been released and we have a publishing date and then i look at it and there's like 37 one star reviews and i'm like 37 of you did not read this book yet this hasn't even been released or there's like 500 four star reviews because you liked the book in the series that was the previous book like that bothers me i hate that the reviews can be left before the book is finalized that bothers me but i guess there's no workaround for goodreads on their end so i guess they're doing what they can to curb it as someone like i said that doesn't really pay a whole lot of attention to the reviews i'm not that bent out of shape about it but thumbs up for them for at least trying matt yeah i'll give them credit for trying um i kind of see what they're doing basically if there's like an influx of reviews then they're basically going to take some of those it kind of sounds like they're going to take them out of the equation so to speak um so like because that seems the way that seems to be the way that review bombing goes is that it the the internet takes takes it by storm and everybody does it all at once so that makes sense and you know if the book isn't even out yet you know maybe those are less those are going to hold less water um on the reviews um it's 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 a it's a slippery slope because with goodreads you can't even though Goodreads is connected to Amazon, bless you, you can't do what Amazon has done where if it's, they have to have like a, a, a confirmed sale in order to leave a review. Um, like that's not necessarily fair either because what if you did buy it from Barnes and Noble, but you know, you usually buy stuff on Kindle and you want to leave this author a good review because you, you do like the book. Um, and you know that that helps them across different platforms. So like that's been a bane for Amazon. Goodreads is trying to do something slightly different, but also curb some of this. So I I mean, I'll give them a thumbs up for giving it the best effort for what they can do in this time. All right. So idea, instead of those little, like I'm not a robot things, it should just be like, turn to page 34, paragraph two, line three, word number four, type that in. 
And that's how you verify that you actually have the book in front of you. Boom. I, you've solved the issue. Yeah. Yeah, I support that 100%. I mean, I was going to say something a little less specific. Um, but, like, why can't... I say uh, I'm I'm picking on Goodreads here, but like the same could be said for IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. Why can't they lock reviews until like the book has been published or like even like because the average person, I bet, will probably not finish a book in a day, you know, so maybe like lock reviews until the book has been published for a week. That's because you've got the people who have gotten ARCs yep. and pre-release Which copies. Which then also helps drive sales when you get ARC readers that yeah. like it and review it well. Okay, fair. Um, I'm still giving this a thumb sideways. I mean, props to Goodreads for trying to do something. However, like I still feel like I, I, I'm not convinced that this is the right thing to do. I think there's something more that could be done. I don't know if they're just they're just unwilling to do it or if it is like not something that's possible on their end. Goodreads is problematic at best anyway for this and a plethora of other issues, including their ties to Amazon. So there are other book reading and book tracking websites out there. The problem with Goodreads is like we've all been on it for so long now that we would lose so much data to leave it mm-hmm. that it would be almost impossible. So they have what is essentially a monopoly on readers. So at least they're doing something. Yeah. So recently, rumors have been swirling that we'll soon see the original Avengers uh, back on the big screen, including Iron Man and Black Widow, who are no longer with us. Uh, Captain America himself, Chris Evans, was on The View recently and weighed in on the rumors. He said, you know, I always see those reports, too, and it's news to me. Um, He then followed it up by saying he doesn't rule out a return of America's ass, uh, but it'd have to be the right story. Those were my words, not his. Um, He said, uh, no one's spoken to me about it. I would never say never, but really, I'm very protective. Uh, It's a very precious role to me, um, so it would have to be just right. Uh, I'm giving a thumbs up to Chris Evans, a thumbs down to this whole idea or these rumors of um, the Avengers returning. Now, could Chris Evans be lying to us? Absolutely. But emphasis on abs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like taking it as, at face value, like we saw these characters off. It is time for Marvel to you know build up a new generation of Avengers uh, because this isn't the comic books. Um, you know. Steve Rogers, Steve Rogers is a bad example because he's been alive since World War II. Um, But Iron Man, you know, like you you can't keep Iron Man at his, you know, like mid 40s or whatever for 50 years. Like Robert Downey Jr. is not going to stay the same age for the next 30 years. It's just not a thing. Um, So, you know, you have to build up a next generation. now, the argument can be said, is Marvel doing it the right way? That remains to be seen. Um, so, like, I don't feel like... I feel like if we brought back the original Avengers, even the ones who are still living, 
now, um, that would that would almost be a disservice to what could be next. So, yeah, Tabitha. Um, thumbs up for the way he handled this. Like that was that was really well done because I feel like a lot of like celebrities get those questions and they're like, <laughs> so good for him. Um, I don't need another iteration of the Avengers on the big screen until I'm like in my seventies. So <laughs> thumbs down, <laughs> Matt. Yeah, this is it's it's a tough question for him to handle. It's a tough question for um. Marvel, I mean, I'm not going to lie. If they brought them back, would I probably go see that movie? Yes. But at the same time, Marvel in the in the MCU needs to be able to build characters and stories for other superheroes into the new Avengers or a new, like that new super team. Um, if you can't do that, then you're relying on the name of the character and the history and not your own writers and stories. And that's disheartening if you feel like you would have to use those as a crutch. So, I mean, thumbs up to him, thumbs down to the really honestly, the possibility that Marvel feels like they have to use this as a, as a tactic. Matt, you have our last story of the night, and it's a weird story, but not the type of weird that we normally talk about. Um, You're welcome. Was... <laughs> <laughs> this was a... oh, I had I had an idea for a last story. I didn't go along with it, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> but this was actually I was planning on making this the question at the beginning of the episode, but I, I never got around to it. And then you posted those stories and I was like, okay, fine. Um, let's talk about a certain Batman cover. So the infamous cover is from dark Knight returns, Frank Miller. Um, I didn't know that this was a question, honestly. Um, apparently there's been a lot of debate for forever on that cover. And, it's the silhouette of Batman with lightning in the background. It's him kind of like flying through the air kind of. Um, and there's a discussion on whether he is facing forwards or backwards. Like I said, I didn't know this was a debate online. Um, it's one of those things like, okay, now that I've read this, now that I look at it, I could kind of see how people would think that he's facing forwards. He's facing backwards. Some of these people are actually upset because they've always thought he was facing forwards and other people are like, well, if he's facing, if his back is facing us, then Batman has turned his back on us. I'm like, right, exactly. Because of the internet, it's ridiculous. Um, basically there was a, in a Twitter slash X user, um, that, you know, posted this and the question, you know, is Frank Miller's Batman front or back facing? Um, so then he also posted some kind of like sketches on what it would look like if Batman were facing forwards or facing backwards. Um, like I said, you can kind of take it either way. No, you can't. No. See, I've always thought he C was continue on. But I, I mean, looking at this, I don't know that I ever really debated one way or the other. I just always thought he's been facing forwards. What? Yeah, always. No, he's facing backwards. <laughs> wow. Is this what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. He looks like 
friggin' uh, him from uh, Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally all I see. <laughs> I don't understand how he's supposed to be facing backwards. What? Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. So the, the, the feet, they're pointing down. Like... Yeah, he's facing this way. Yeah, so like, I see that as facing backwards. Okay, I see he's facing to the right. Yeah, I don't see him facing front or back. I see him facing to the right. Like, he's like about to go like... I mean, so yeah, he's facing to the right, but his back is to us. Yeah. Like, it's not back. How, how, how do you see it? Ah. Okay, explain to me, Matt, how he's facing to the front. Cause, and, and I swear to God, if, if the way you describe it... I see him, I my vision changes, I will tell you, and I will probably freak the fuck out. Like, honestly, the, like, the reason I think that he's facing forward is that is, is is primarily based on his arms. Because the, the arm that's, like, pointed down... Is his right be, arm. ...would be his left arm. And then he's cocked back with his right arm because he's right-handed. He's going to punch with his right. Yeah, Batman would never punch with his left arm. No. That's a he's he's not ambidextrous. I mean, yes, he can fight with both hands because he's Batman, but he is primarily right-handed. So that's the punch that he's going to throw when he lands is with his right hand. I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is he even really throwing a punch when he's like falling from the sky with his fists? Like that's just. He's, falling. He's raining. He's raining, raining down. Raining fisticuffs. Fist of thunder. <laughs> fist of thunder. I, yeah, I see it the opposite where the hand that's cocked back like just naturally looks to me to be his, his left hand and the one pointed out is his right because then it would make sense with him posturing that the foot that is higher up and you can see less of is like his left side of his body angled more towards... Like it doesn't make sense for from this view for him to be like punching the audience like he would be protecting us so he should be facing away from the audience and punching that way yeah i I see what you mean about him you know like being right-handed i understand that but like no like like especially like even like look okay so we're all looking at it right Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) so um so yeah like look look at his shoes like the the, the heel. high heel or the boot. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, even kind of both. Like if you look at the top of the boot, like you can see like where the boot ends and the leg begins. Like you wouldn't see that if that was the back of the leg. No, it's it's this. Yeah, and you are facing my back. No, like his head is here. Like I see like this is like he would be looking this way but facing that way. What? <laughs> So, okay, regardless, the, this debate, I didn't know that it, that it was going on, apparently even shows up like Zack Snyder didn't ode to this in, um, which one was it? In um, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Um, I, I guess Frank Miller has never actually weighed in on it. Um, he needs to. Right? Get him on the podcast right now. <laughs> So I don't know. It, it's a debate that has raged longer than we even knew that this was a thing. So, yeah, because I knew that this was a thing on 
yesterday. Yeah, I didn't know this was a thing until I found this article, so. No, there's... I'm probably going to leave that intentionally long pause in there. Um, probably not, because when I'm editing, I'm like, I hate long pauses. Okay. But... So that's your view. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that that's the correct view. unsee him from <laughs> powerpuff girls right so i have no i have no opinion <laughs> okay so i'm looking at what matt shows here matt matt just showed me what a potential front-facing batman looks like <laughs> <laughs> I still don't see it. No. Yeah, like, <laughs> the way he has his fist raised is just very strange from that, like, front-facing perspective. Because it's like, I'm going to make you flinch. going to make you flinch. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's not actually like a hitting, like, I don't know. Now, don't get me wrong. I like this idea of the front-facing batman if this is what it was it'd be cool but like i still don't see it <laughs> and see here's the thing so like the back facing one that you showed me uh-huh. is just them kind of coloring in adding lines adding the belt adding you know like right all this kind of stuff they completely like redrew the one for the front facing Ergo, they had to make shit up. <laughs> and also, if you kind of look at it, Matt, like, look at, like, if that was his body coming towards you, like, and he hasn't, like, made any sudden changes, his cape wouldn't be flowing like that if it was front-facing. It would be, you wouldn't see as much of the cape. It would be more behind Batman's body at this point if it was front-facing as it's drawn in this illustration. Yeah, this is how I see it. I know. There are literally two sides of the table on this. All right. So as soon as this is posted, there's going to be a poll on the Geek Awakens Instagram. <laughs> It'll be on the story. So you got 24 hours, folks. Maybe a little bit longer if Mitch has forgotten and somebody has to remind him. But vote in it. We're going to vote in it, too. We're going to decide. Um, Yeah. So this is going to be one of those situations where we should probably... <laughs> keep recording so that you guys can hear this but um this this uh argument is probably going to continue after we <laughs> stop recording but we're already like hour 15 before editing so you guys have heard enough of us so um i don't know <laughs> bye. bye same bye. same bye. same bat time same bat channel That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone. <laughs>